minister us today. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm going to see that for a second. Hey, before I get started, I have a gift for you. His name's John Hammer. He's like an amazing friend of mine, and like he's like my twin today. So, minus the hair. And, and he has way more skill at doing what he's about to do than, than, I, than I could ever have. Come on, bring it. All right. Uh, this is something I wrote called Like a Tidal Wave. So, Like a tidal wave, they all line up. Every reason to stand against the dreams of my future. Prayer becomes oxygen and I'm tired of not breathing concerning the potential that lies residual in my DNA. So God, potter me. Spin this clay. I've got to be alive. I've got to thrive. This is my birth pact. I'm redeemed by a blood pact. I'm in covenant. Loving it. Freedom. It's mine. This kind on time because he who began a good work in me will see it too. So don't give up. Don't give up. Never do it. Always say it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Are you making it? What is taking it? So you got a song to sing? A gift to bring? If it's not about you, then why can't you move? Heaven, open up over me. Let some real light in. I got to see because there's a purpose here for liberty. See, the culture isn't ready for those that drop the heavy. Truth creates a vacuum, and believe me, there's a lot of room. So bring your talent and rock your treasure because he is coming back for return on investment. I wonder, are you fully vested? Are you surrendered to the king of creativity, the painter of galaxies? He's the song of the sparrows, the designer of bone marrow. You know, he wants to write a story it's full of his glory so put on the savior's purity you're about to escape tragedy limitations that have fallen all around me as I tread upon the head of my enemy see risks are worth taking even if it feels like I'm faking feelings will not get the best of me because I'm humbled yet surrendered but when he chooses he will be exalting me so I'm reminded the reason it's Christ in his kingdom no more false humility he purchased my destiny his love has arrested me and now I'm compelled to be all that he paid for me all glory is to thee like a tidal wave we're all coming up wow ah So proud of you, John Hammer. So good. Mm. Gosh. He has one on pornography. Here, come do it. Just do it. Come on, man. Just do it. Do it, dude. It's amazing. Because like, he got set free. And like, this is powerful. Sorry, man. I just love it. Just do it. Man. Okay. Let me breathe. Yeah. Dear pornography, what beautiful photography, you twisted psychology. You once befriended me. You told me I could call you porn for sure. But what a twisted psychology that you think you could educate me on what is healthy sexuality. You lulled me to sleep like a mother rocks a baby. Injected my soul and put me under a spiritual anesthesia. Amnesia. But somehow it was so deceiving I thought help I was receiving. You offered me power but then you became my master. Sin never looked so good as I was led to the slaughter like you got someone's daughter and destroyed her innocence for a generation of 
malcontents. And no matter what you say, you are wrecking women in abusive slavery as you deceive them into false glory. You're in the web. You're on the corner store and TV. You're even in the church. And you once had a place in me and it's escaping me, breaking me to think that I gave you time a dime for this crime against humanity, for lying vanity, but you were my security. I, I, I wouldn't let you down. I couldn't let you go. I was afraid of losing you. Oh, the irony of Stockholm Syndrome. Feeling at home with a blood-sucking vulture. Like you got women to measure by you their value. So now they can be sold to the highest bidder. See, no one considers them being abused, raped, and damaged. But airbrush and surgery creates a false advantage because the pain just doesn't go away. It's not reality. It's just a play for crappy pay and porn. You even got men forsaking their legacy thinking their strength is sexuality. So the sons, brothers, husbands, and fathers just start wrecking destinies as they're slaves to these fantasies. See, I know the story all the while. I gave you an inch, but you took a mile. You have tainted the culture, destroyed marriages, caused children to be left fatherless. I gave you my youth, and you gave me guilt, shame, and death. Took away my breath. But at death's door, I was awakened by the hand of a heart that was beating, bleeding love. See, porn, I'm actually writing to inform you that I found the exit. Or rather, the exit found me. Christ is the exodus from pain to porn to purity. Jesus is the way out. Some say he's a crutch, but I found him to be a strong tower. He surrounded me, unbounded me after he founded me. See, porn, you have been replaced by the resurrected life. The way you led and I died, it was eye candy laced with cyanide. But my pain's been robbed. See, the gospel isn't just some band-aid job on a soul that is hemorrhaging from immorality. My neural pathways were retraced and my rejection was replaced. So pornography, you are not so dear to me. And though you make money by the billions and get clicked on by the hundreds of millions, I will tell my story of redemption because I can hear the sound of the masses marching to the master making the exit. Signed in sincerity, this your dear enemy, a sinner made saint. in the church, God. Let the church be overwhelmed with purity, God. Jesus, I thank you for purity in the church, God. That we would be known as a holy people. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus. Father, I thank you for anyone in here that would be struggling with that very thing, that you would crush it and rip it out right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That you would rip it out, God. In Jesus' name. Rip out fantasy. Rip it out, God. You sit in the theater of our soul, God, and you watch everything that goes across our screen. God, I thank you for your powerful transformation. In the name of Jesus, God, that your word is sharp and alive and active. It divides the soul from the spirit. Father, I thank you that our soul would be cut to the quick, God, in the name of Jesus. 
that we will be set free. Jesus name. Jesus name. <laughs> Yay. Jesus. Freedom. Wow. I've been free from that thing for 10 years. Free. Been free from looking lustfully at a woman for 10 years. Free. Been in a place where my soul has been pure before my Father. That God wants the salvation of our soul is the finishing of our faith, it says in Peter. It says the salvation of our soul in Timothy. God, I thank you for the purity of heart, God. How could we see you without a pure heart? Because the gospel says the pure in heart shall see God. Father, I thank you. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those that are not spiritually arrogant and think they know it all, God. But there's still room for you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, we just, we don't have to ask you to come because you're here. But we welcome you to cut us deep. To cut us deep, God. That you would drive out everything that doesn't belong. Jesus came into the temple and they were selling things in the temple and he turned over these tables these money changer tables and he said you've made my house my father's house a den of thieves it's to be a house of prayer and it's the very picture of Jesus coming into the life of a person to where he comes in and he turns over everything that stands before the father he just turns it over doesn't matter what it is he just turns it over because God's house is to be a house of prayer and we are God's house individual temples of the Lord with clean hands and pure hearts who can ascend his holy hill God's enabling the body of Christ to live and walk in purity so that the world can see what it looks like for a Christian to actually walk this planet See, there's grace available to be able to walk as God's called us to. A royal priesthood, a holy generation set apart. Royalty and holiness. Royalty, king of kings. Lord of lords. Father of lights. We are the lights that he's the father of. But if we can't walk in light, we can't represent our father. God is well pleased that we bear much fruit and that our fruit remains. And the great thing about fruit is there's seed in there. And every time you bear fruit for the Father, the seed is in the fruit. So everywhere you go, your fruit falls, the seed reproduces after its own kind. We can't afford to be a people that press into the miraculous at the cost of identity. We can't afford to be a people that would press into the Bible to try to get a sermon apart from sonship. There's a difference between being sin conscious and sun conscious. And I've been able to see it and it's getting clearer and clearer.
God, I'm asking you to make the clarity of sun consciousness so clear so that we'd stop thinking sin conscious and we'd start thinking sun conscious. Because you took us from sinners and you made us saints. You took us from darkness and you put us into light. You took us from lost and you made us found. You took us from blind and you made us see. You took us from dead and made us alive. God, it's a clear contrast and there is no middle ground. You took us, you took us from cold and you made us hot. Father, I thank you that cold is better than warm. Warm is a damage to the world around us and we do not have to be warm. There was an atheist that had a dream and in his dream he saw a field all these just multitudes of people and on one side he saw Jesus and a bunch of people with him and on the other side he saw the devil and he didn't have a pitchfork didn't have a pitchfork and he didn't have horns and he wasn't red he didn't have a tail but he knew that this was Jesus and he knew that this was not Jesus so he figured this was the devil and in the middle of this field he saw a fence and so he knew he had to make a choice and he stood up on this fence and he looked and all the people with Jesus disappeared and all the people with the devil disappeared. And he was all by himself. So being by himself on the fence, he's wondering where did everybody go? And all of a sudden the devil comes back into the picture and he says, there you are, I was looking for you. And he says, hey, I didn't choose him and I definitely didn't choose you. He said, sure you did, the fence is mine. And that man experienced grace and woke up a Christian, got born again. Not everybody gets that chance. I was shot at in a drug deal from 10 feet away. Not everybody gets that chance. You're saved by grace, but you'll be judged by your works. <laughs> so my question is, what kind of works are we doing? Because if we're just playing church, it's not good. We need to create a breed of people that walk in holiness and purity. Love righteousness and bear the fruit of righteousness. It's not horrible, it's amazing. There is grace for this thing. All you have to do is ask God because the Holy Spirit's the only one that empowers the church to be. He's the only one that empowered Jesus to walk like Jesus walked. Jesus functioned fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit and every one of us have the same opportunity to function in Him. It says to let go these, these sins that so easily ensnare us. How shall, we, how shall we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? That's what it says. I was just reading it this morning. It's powerful. How shall we escape? There is no escape if we neglect such great a salvation. That salvation isn't just for us to play church. That salvation isn't just for us to get souls. That salvation is for us to live saved in our spirit, soul, and body. That salvation is for our mind, our souls, to be fixed up and renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of our mind and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That only comes through the Holy Spirit, that only comes through the relationship with Him. Nobody has any excuses. All it is is a lack of surrender. Period. There is no other. It's the simplicity that's in Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, I fear just the same as Satan deceived Eve so he might corrupt your mind and twist you and get you corrupted up here and take you away from the simplicity that's in the Christ. If it's simple, why do we complicate it? We have to get it like a child because if you can't get it like a child, you can't get it. 
We can't afford to be so mature that we know it all. We have to remain poor in spirit and teachable. And we have to have an intensity with the Holy Spirit in our life. Oh, it's amazing. God wants to teach us every day. I woke up this morning and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about people. It's crazy. At night when I sleep, He talks to me. My wife, I wake up in the morning, at night, in the middle of the night, she wakes me up. Hey, honey, you're praying for people again. In my dreams, I live, sleep, eat, and breathe Jesus. It's not an option for anything else. There is no plan B. It's to be enveloped in His love. It's to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's, it's to, to count everything that we know apart from knowing Him as dung. Everything. It's to count all of seminary, everything that we've learned apart from knowing Him. Not first place. That Knowing Him is first place. That's priority. That's everything. We can't afford to think that because we've We've got all these different teachings and sermons and different things that that's knowing Him. It's not knowing Him. It's you before Him. Reading your Bible in a place of the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the communion with the Holy Spirit. But without communion with the Holy Spirit, we're empty and lost and we're in trouble. But nobody has to be empty and lost and in trouble. We can all be on fire. We can all burn with a blazing inferno that everybody around us, everywhere we go, catches flame. And if your people are dry, good, it burns quicker. Really. We do not have to worry about a congregation that's not burning. All you have to do is walk around them and it will light a fire in them. I've never seen anybody. I've walked with pastors. I've walked with people. That are, that are cold. That, I've actually had people that are like, well, I don't believe anything you say. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. Can we go to lunch? We go hang out and they cry. Because they've accused me and presumed in their heart that they believe that what I'm doing is, is not real. But then when they see people come to Jesus and miracles happen in public, right in front of their face. I've, I've actually prayed for pastors that tell me that they don't believe. And I say, all right, let me pray for you. Well, I don't believe. It doesn't matter if you don't believe. Let me pray for you. And God does it anyway. I promise you. I prayed for Muslims that are angry and don't believe. What does that have to do with my faith? What does somebody else's faith have to do with my faith? Nothing. I do not need you to be in agreement. I just need you to stand still. I promise, man. I'm really, I'm not popping off. I, I'm telling you the truth. This is every day, all day long. Because it's a constant Christian lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of Christianity every day. It's not complicated. Sometimes people say, well, who should I pray for? They will, you've got to be led. I hear that all the time. I'm like, what are you thinking? Well, you've got to be led. I mean, Jesus was only led. I get it. Go out and buy 30, go out and buy 31 lead sinkers. Put one in your pocket for each day. Reach down your pocket, grab a hold of that thing, feel lead, and get this thing on with Jesus. <laughs> if you can look at somebody and say, Jesus didn't pay a price for them, then don't pray for them. If you say, well, God doesn't love them, then don't pray for them. They're out. But you'll never find one person. Ever. Because he paid a price for everybody. People say, well, then, you know, how do we know? I mean, and then people get into this Calvinism or Armenianism. I, I just heard the names. I've never studied it. I just know that the Bible says whoever, whosoever believes. Whosoever, that's everybody. 
doesn't matter what they believe, what they are. It matters that they encounter Jesus Christ through my life. Because Christ in me is the hope of glory. But Christ coming out of me is why he's in there. Christ is in me. That's the hope of glory. But Christ coming out of me is the reason why he isn't even in here. Paul says in Galatians 4.19, I looked at that this morning too because it's so powerful. He says, I labor as in childbirth until Christ be formed in you. There is the forming of Christ in people. But what helps that thing form faster, what helps the reality of God in a man, in a woman form faster, is if they could see you lead by example. Because how will the world see if they don't see, how will the world see if nobody walks it out? It's not just for evangelists. Please don't separate yourself and say, well, I'm a pastor, that's an evangelist job. I'm over a flock. I understand. But do you just, are you just a pastor for Sunday morning? That's ridiculous. You're a full-time Christian. A pastor's a calling. I understand. And I'll tell you what, I, I, my pastor is phenomenal. He is phenomenal, man. He's a pastor. He's over a flock. He's involved in so many people's lives on a constant basis. I'm involved in people's lives all over the planet. And, I, and I'm there for a time, you know, to be able to pour in. And then I have people to help me. I have an assistant that thank the Lord Jesus that he's in my life to help me to get things straight because it's crazy. So I honor pastors with all my heart. Man, I'm, I'm not taking down or tearing away from anybody that's an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. I am not taking away from them. I am admonishing and honoring and, and just loving you. But it's never about your Sunday morning. It's never, it's about 24 hours a day. See, in seminary, sometimes they teach people that first it's God, then it's family, then it's ministry. That's not. That's illegal. You cannot compartmentalize God. First it's God, then 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 it's God. Then it's God. In everything that you do, and He's priority. It doesn't matter what it is. If you separate God from your ministry and family and your work, you'll shut Him off at work. If you shut them off in your family, my goodness, that'd be terrible. You'll lose your family. If you shut God off in your family, you'll lose your family. You won't have a family. You can't. You have to, you have, to have God be on full, full strength on a constant basis. That means that you have to admit that you're weak. Because it's your weakness that's a magnet for His strength. And He is a powerful, almighty King. It's amazing. The Bible says that I'm supposed to reign as a king in this life. <laughs> That's crazy. Reign as a king in this life through the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. The supernaturally, violently excessive amount of grace. That's what abundance means. A violently excessive amount. That's crazy awesome. That's like way more than just a little. An abundance of grace, violently excessive, like overtake you, excessive. And then in Peter, in different chapters, he goes, may grace and peace be multiplied. So that violently excessive grace be multiplied. Like how much more can you possibly get? Maybe we haven't tapped into that thing. And I have tapped into that thing from the beginning of my life. And I feel like I'm just touching the outside of it. And I'm so aware of his goodness, his mercy. 
But my, my priority has been righteousness. My priority has been focusing on the finished work of Christ. And it's never gotten off. I've never gone into my bedroom and sought God for miracles. <laughs> my Bible says to pray to your Father in secret. And he who sees in secret will reward you in the open. So when I seek my Father in secret, he rewards me with my Father in the open. That's awesome. And the Holy Spirit really, 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 really wants to teach us. But sometimes we want another teacher to teach us and we don't know the teacher that's supposed to teach us from inside. So when doctrine comes, he discerns whether it's true and whether it's not. He lets you say, hey, this is not okay. This is okay. And if your people get that, man, man, they can all press in. We can all be fed. We can all be hand fed by the master. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, daily bread. Every day. Every day. You guys okay? I'm exploding in my heart, man. Because I, I see something so clear. And it's getting clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And it's fine-tuning. And that's been 10 years of growing in this revelation of the love of God. That's my problem. I'm possessed by the love of Jesus. I don't have another plan B. It is only the love of God. I've never lived a day without the love of the Father. He loves me. I was lost, and then he knew I was lost. You know, it's crazy. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, my parents, they, they, they didn't want me when I was born. What does that have to do with you being here? God knit you in your mother's womb. Like God did it. Yeah, but she didn't want me. So what? What does that have to do with your identity as a son or a daughter? Come on. Listen, my mom wasn't ready for me. She wasn't thinking, let's go have a son. Come on, honey. Mom, my dad just came back from Vietnam and my mom looked good. That's how I came into the world. My mom wasn't a Christian. My dad wasn't a Christian. They were just thinking, let's get together. That was it. And then, here I am. They weren't thinking, and my dad was messed up upstairs because of Vietnam. And my mom was messed up because of life. So her soul was squeezed and pottered and fashioned after the world. See, we weren't just born into sin. We were cultivated by the very enemy of God, so we think like the devil. Selfish. It's serious. You guys all right? Because I'm just getting started. We have a little bit of time. We're going to go after this thing. Because I guarantee freedom. Because whom the sun sets free is free. But I'm not just free for my own sake. I'm free to multiply freedom all over the earth, all over the planet. I'm watching people get set free. Doesn't matter how long you've been in bondage. What matters is that you have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And He takes truth and He, he puts it in here so strong that every lie has, I can't stay anymore, has to go. And truth just goes and sets up camp right here. Then the liar comes and he can't have access because your soul is occupied. It's totally biblical. It's the weapons that we have. Sometimes people, they have all this warfare stuff going on, pulling down strongholds and taking down principality. Jesus is the head of all principality. Why are you pulling them down? Why do I have to pull down principalities when I go into a city? 
Why don't I just live as though I have an open heaven? The only closed heaven is between your ears, man. One person in Christ is the majority. Period. Million devils, one person in Christ. We win. I just don't have any of that teaching stuff. I didn't learn it. I read my Bible and this is what it says. It says Christ in me, the hope of glory. It says that's the deal. It says that God loves me. It says that if I can't cry out loud enough, if I, cry out lo- if I can't cry out long enough, the Holy Spirit inside of me is crying out for me. He cries out, Abba, Father. If I say it, that's awesome. But He's always saying it. Constantly. If you connect with that right there, He cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. How awesome is that? Sometimes people are like, well, I didn't have a father. So, you know, I didn't have a father that was there. Well, I didn't either. He wasn't there. He wanted to be, but he couldn't be because his soul was messed up. So why would I blame my life on my parents? It's time we get these excuses gone, man. Stop bringing that whole rejection thing in. Gosh, we've amplified rejection over acceptance enough already. Come on, man. It'll keep you bound forever. Because how can you fix that? You can't. I remember when I got saved, man, I came out of Teen Challenge. I was such a a mess. I mean, I grew up. My parents put me in the Masonic homes. I I grew up there for five and a half years. My mom and dad got divorced. People go, oh my gosh, Masons were in your life. Oh, you have lots of things to be broken off. I'm free. But people, oh no, you have curses and Masonic this and that. Stop. Jesus set me free. Uh, really, like, he just, the blood of Jesus does more in a couple of seconds and a revelation of it than anything can ever do, ever, than years and years of counseling can ever do. The blood of Jesus, because we're not to get there eventually anyway. So you can either go around the mountain or go straight into the blood of Jesus. We can't afford to be in a wilderness. The wilderness that a lot of people are in are in a place of complaining, of not satisfied with manna, not satisfied with the bread of life, not satisfied with daily bread, not satisfied with Jesus. And they wandered in that wilderness for 40 years. And Jesus was the bread that came down from heaven. It says, today if you'd hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. Hebrews 3.8, powerful stuff. What did they do? They loathed the worthless bread. They weren't satisfied with it. As a matter of fact, that bread was outside of their tent every day, every day in front of their tent, sustained by the Father. Sustained. Pillar of fire at night, cloud of smoke during the day. They were led around the wilderness. What could have taken them 11 days to get to, took 40 years, and they all died out there. Only the children went in. They loathe the worthless bread. Well, maybe they could fry it next time. Or maybe he could season it a little better. At least back in Egypt, we had leek and onions. We had stuff that was more nutritious. Gosh, we hate this bread. That bread was Christ. Don't say that Jesus isn't enough for you. Oh, I promise you. Because there is no plan B, man. It's only plan A. 
Don't think that Christ isn't your answer because I promise he is. He always will be. He is heaven's final answer. God is not going to speak again. In past days, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. God will not speak another word. That's the word. Jesus. His name is above all names. And sometimes we need something else. Another book. Another revelation. Another thing. Another this. No, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit to amplify the reality of the finished work of Christ so that our souls can be wrecked for nothing else. That's what the world's looking for. The world's looking for our souls to be possessed by Jesus. The world's looking for you to walk like Jesus through agency of Holy Spirit in you, flowing through you, crushing hell around you. The mission statement of a Christian is 1 John 3, 8. For this reason, the Son of Man, Jesus, was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. For this reason, you're on the earth to destroy the works of the devil. Every day, all the places that you go, no matter where you go, no matter what's on, it doesn't matter how dark it is, the darker it is, the brighter we shine. Darkness isn't the issue. It's never who turned up the darkness. It's who turned down the light. Come on, man. Darkness isn't the issue. It's fear. Fear will make you have a basket on your head. You'll be a basket-headed Christian. And you'll walk around and nobody knows you're a Christian. And you have to put a face on when you're at church so you can preach a sermon. But when you leave there, nothing changes. That's not Christianity. That's demonic wisdom. Strategy set up to pin people against Jesus. Come on, man. Oh, I'm bringing it. Because I just don't have another message. I've seen God take people's hearts and... I've seen people... Wake up completely changed. Where their whole life has changed. Where it was all just a bad dream. Some people don't want to hear it. Some people get frustrated. They shut me off. You can try, but I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit validates this message. Guaranteed. I didn't go to Bible school, but if I did, the Holy Spirit would have been with me. They'd probably have kicked me out. I'm not against it. You know, there's Bible schools that teach against me. Praise Jesus. That means I'm doing the right thing. If you're persecuted for righteousness sake, it's commendable before the Father. See, I don't just live in a supernatural way and pray for people. I also live in purity and holiness. And I don't have issues in my closet because Jesus canceled my lifetime subscription to issues. He did. He really did. Like he canceled it. Just like canceled the subscription. They don't come anymore. See, we've said that it's not possible. That will only be when Jesus comes back. Well, you're wrong. The Bible teaches completely different. It teaches that we can live in freedom. We can live in purity. It actually says the solid foundation of God still stands. The Lord knows those that are His. That's what it says. Let everybody that names the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. That's the gospel. That's the Bible that we believe. That's the solid foundation of Jesus. Let everybody that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The Lord knows whose are His. You know, in the Bible it says, in that day, in Matthew 7 it says, in that day, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Not everybody. And they will say, well, Lord, didn't we do many works? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons in Your name? And He'll say, away from me, I never knew You. There is a difference between saying you know God 
and having an intimate relationship with him and being known by him. That's where Christianity is. It's being known by the Father. That every day you know that he knows you and you know him. And you have this thing going. And he's on display for the whole world to see. And it doesn't matter where you are. You can be transparent because you don't have any junk in your closet. See, people have told me, well, you're in denial. Everybody has issues. Well, you're wrong. I live in purity. I let the word of God cut me deep. I ask God, here I am, Lord. Shine your spotlight in my heart. Let your word cut me deep because I am your son and you're my father. And I can't afford to misrepresent you in any situation. So God, I'm going to trust that your spotlight is on constantly. Father, I thank you that you sit in the theater of my soul. and You see everything that goes across my screen. And I give you complete permission to rip out anything that's not of you, God. That's daily. That's a daily prayer. That's a daily repentance. People have said, well, once you repent, you don't have to do it again. You're wrong. You live in a constant state of repentance. You live in a place of a clean conscience so that anything that violates your conscience, the Holy Spirit has access to your soul. He cleans it, removes it, and sets you free immediately. See, God says that God says that if he's faithful and just, if I have anything that's twisted, if I've stepped into a place that I shouldn't, he is faithful and just to cleanse me if I confess to God. Confession to God is like, for me, it's like this. Something's wrong. I, I step into something not willingly because I don't premeditate sin and do it. Ever. Ever. I don't know that something's wrong and do it anyway. Sorry. Not an option. Jesus died for me to die. So that I could be set free from that. See, my conscience is clean. I haven't violated it for anybody in 10 years. Not for anything. Not for a pulpit. Not for nothing. Doesn't matter. I will not compromise my faith. I will not compromise the name of Jesus. I will not comp compromise the position of my heart before my Father. Ever. For anybody. Ever. If something's wrong and I know it's wrong, I'll never step in it. But if... If I step into something that I shouldn't, the Holy Spirit makes me aware, like maybe correcting a child or one of my kids that are fighting. I raise my voice too, like too loud. The Holy Spirit immediately is on me. Immediately. That was too much. Immediately. I step back and say, Father, I thank you for revealing that to me. And I go right to my kid and I say, Daddy's so sorry. Honey, Daddy shouldn't have talked like that. I raised my voice too much. I didn't mean to scare you. I just, here's why. And this is what happened in my life when... I used to be this way. And this is what it leads to. Do you forgive me? Now my little three-year-old, she does something wrong. She looks at me right away. Four-year-old, she just turned four, sorry. She looks at me right away. Daddy, you forgive me? Of course I do, honey. Okay. Teaching my kids daily repentance. Teaching my kids to ask for forgiveness. Teaching my kids to walk in forgiveness. Teaching my kids to not hold anything against anybody. It's possible. I live it. Everybody can. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how short you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter. What matters is that you have an encounter with your loving Father. And my kids know it. We can do this, guys. We don't have to be afraid anymore. You can have confidence. You can be unashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. And it says, for in it, in what? In the gospel. What's in the gospel? The power of it. What is it? The righteousness of God is revealed. 
from faith to faith. It's all about being right with God and moving from one level of faith to another level of faith, to another level of faith, but it's all in the same subject of right standing with my King. And the Holy Spirit's been poured out. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes in John 16, He says He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He says of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I'm going to go to be with the Father. And of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Of righteousness. If I'm convicted of my righteousness, I will never try to sin and get away with it. (laughs) If I'm convicted of my right standing with God, my right standing of God with God is my priority. If I'm convicted of my sonship, then sin consciousness has to leave. Sin consciousness has no access to my soul. In the Old Testament, with the law of Moses, Moses was given the ministry of condemnation engraved on stones. It was the ministry of condemnation. So condemnation is from hell. It is not from God. Jesus paid a price because he knew that you couldn't do it in your own strength. So he did it as a man to fulfill the law so that we can live in another covenant. It's the covenant of righteousness. Moses was given the ministry of condemnation, but we have the ministry of righteousness. Condemnation is from the devil. He condemns you and makes you think that you didn't work enough, you didn't do this enough. Condemnation is not from God. If anybody be in Christ, he is a new creation. Come on. Therefore, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Then, it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've had this confusion in the body of Christ and told people, well, you're always going to fulfill flesh. I mean, come on, we have flesh and we have this. And we've lived as bipolar Christians. We've lived bipolar Christianity. And we said, well, Paul talks in Romans 7, he he talks about how, like, even though he wants to do it, he doesn't do it. And even though he wills to do it, he can't do it because of sin in him. Well, I thought Jesus paid the price to kill our sin, to crush it. See, this is weird for people to hear this because they think, what are you trying to say? The spirit always wars against the flesh. Flesh always wars against the spirit. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. When's the last time your hand told your mind what to do? When's the last time your hand told your mind to do something? What are you trying to say, hand? Okay. Really? All right. Okay. That's not how it happens. See, in the law, there was no possible way for you to do it. Because man was governed by the flesh. Governed by it. But in Christ, we're supposed to be a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. Come on, man. Listen, you're talking to somebody that's lived this for 10 years, so you're not going to talk me out of it. This isn't something I read in my Bible today. This is something that I live in purity. And I, and I live this every day. You're talking about a guy that was radically delivered. So radically delivered. And there's nothing that holds me back except me. And God set me free from me. And I live in the word. I live in the truth of what God says. See, thinking about sin violates my conscience. Living in it, I couldn't live with myself. There's a difference. See, this right here used to call my name. But all of a sudden, he did. So many people struggle with this. Especially especially people that have gone to 
Bible colleges and stuff. I'm not against him. I'm just, I've lived free from this thing. It says to, to be perfect as your father is perfect. Why would he tell you that if you couldn't be? If he says, if anybody has this hope in him, he ought to purify himself just as he is pure. If he said that, then why is it not possible? If anybody believes in him, then he ought to walk just like Jesus walked. When's the last time Jesus walked and tried to sin and get away with it? Come on, you guys here? Are you listening? This isn't blasphemy. It's just purity. It's holiness. It says, pursue peace and holiness, for without which no one will see the Lord. That's your Bible. That's my Bible. People have, have... told me that while he's preaching strange doctrine it's about time we wake up to real doctrine it's about time we study the truth and know the truth concerning the doctrine it's it's about time we rightly divide the word of truth so a worker would never have a reason to be ashamed come on man I'm not coming up with these scriptures teaching out of something God taught me yesterday I'm living these every day. I'll never teach people something that I haven't walked out in word or deed. Very dangerous place to be. I've lived free from pornography for 10 years. I lived free from rejection of my parents for 10 years. I mean, they put me in a home for kids, dude. They gave me up. You think, well, I was really angry. When I came home from Teen Challenge, I was so overwhelmed with who God said I was. I called my mom and said, Mom, I'm not mad anymore. Why? Because Jesus is in my life. Okay. She didn't get it. I can't allow her not getting it to influence my God it. I can't allow her to influence my belief system. I'm the believer. I need to be a believer for my family. I called my dad. I said, hey, dad, I just got to tell you, I'm not mad that, that you weren't in my life. That's good, son. I'm glad you found your path. That's what he said. I said, dad, he's not a path. He's the only way. Okay, well, that's great. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Click. That's it. I can't, I can't expect them to see it. I have to see it. I have to become it. I can't expect them to see what kind of tree I am until they see the fruit that hangs on it. I can't expect my family that doesn't believe to believe until they see fruit. I hurt everybody, man. I destroyed everything. Man, we ought to stop trying to sell our family our fruit and just let them pick it. It's true. well pleased that we bear much fruit and our fruit remains. It's the truth. It's the Bible. Abide in Him. Abide. Be in Him, Him and me. We're like hanging out together. All the time He likes to live in me. He likes to flow through me. He likes to touch people. He's awesome. So my parents didn't get it when I came home. I heard everyone. Jackie and I got married you know, next Sunday between first and second service. Family members weren't excited about the wedding, I promise. Her mom was like, you're throwing your life away. What, look what you've done. Look what you've done now. You're marrying a lunatic and a liar. He quit again. 
Nobody believed. And everybody in my church was against me because they put me in Teen Challenge for 12 months. I left in two. The elders paid for me to go. I came home that day before I went to my house and went to church just to say thank you so much for putting me in Teen Challenge. I met Jesus and it was church work day at my church. This was not going to go over well. I walked up to Peter, this one guy that put me in Teen Challenge. He paid for me to go. I mean, amazing man. I worked for him in that five and a half months of hypocrisy that I lived my life. I worked for him. He had a slate roofing company. I showed up at his door to steal his copper. I stole stuff from him. He gave me a chance and then I blew it. Well, he's the one that paid for me to go for 12 months. He's the one that when I came to the parking lot, I said to him, hey man, Todd, what are you doing here? The Lord set me free. No, don't tell me the Lord set you free, Todd. You went for 12 months. You broke your deal, Todd. No, he, he did. I, I met, you didn't meet Jesus, Todd. Just go home to your girlfriend, Todd. And you think, well, they should have treated you like that. Man, we got to get over our church hurt too. Really, we got to. People say, well, they should have known better. Come on, man, that's our, that's our excuse today. All I'm here to do is take out all your excuses so you're left with Jesus. I'm serious. Take out all your church hurt, all the people that did you wrong, so that you can be free from you. Because if you have a problem with one person here and another person here, it's not them, it's you. Don't you tell me it's me. Well, it is. I don't want to hear it. Now you're my problem. No. You are. Come on, man. Pride will tell you that it's them. Humility will say, God set me free. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, listen. If the shoe fits, kick it off. You're supposed to be shod with the gospel of peace. Gospel means good news. Your feet are supposed to be shod with good news that bring you peace. That you carry peace everywhere you go. Blessed are the feet of those that carry the good news everywhere you go. Man, if you got a problem with somebody in the church because they hurt you, because they should have known better, I get it. Your war is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. It's against demonic strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness. It's against their thinking and belief system that's been dominated by the fall of man. Come on, man. It's true. If someone hurts you, it's because they didn't know who they were. And if you got hurt by it, it's because you didn't know who you were when it came. So either way, come on. Look, okay, I've heard enough. We're only 25 minutes in. You guys okay? All right. So I'm going to bring it, dude, because this is amazing stuff. It's freedom. It's Christ that sets us free. It's Christ that sets us free. Nobody is your issue. All we need is a depth of relationship with our Father. All we need is the love of the Father, first priority. How is the love of the Father? How is it established? The finished work of Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life starts from the second that you say I do. Because when you say I do, he says I am. 
Would not perish doesn't mean just go to hell when you die. Would not perish means think like hell while you live. Come on, it's about this thing being fixed completely, transformed, renewed. Oh, God breathes on it, makes it brand new. So you don't have any problems with anybody anymore where you're just completely free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Powerful. So when I was born, my mom and my dad, they weren't thinking, let's have a son. They were thinking mom and dad stuff. There's children here. But they were thinking mom, dad got together. Get it? Okay. So that night, there were 80 million plus chances going up a birth canal, headed for the egg. 80 million. And I'm the last one. Everybody else is ahead of me with jackhammers and saws trying to get in the egg. <laughs> Doing their natural instinct, trying to get in there. And then I get to the pack and all of them, like the Red Sea. Because I'm there. What happens then? Without tool, without nothing, I just jump right in. Right inside. And everybody's like, who let them by? Oh, this is so powerful. You get this? It's the truth. But from inside the egg, a voice, my voice says, sorry guys, I was predestined before the foundation of the world. Sure does beat allowing a mom to determine your identity that's lost. Sure does beat allowing a father that was never there to determine your identity. Sure does beat saying that you have a spirit of rejection on your life for the whole life. Having an excuse to remain bound to lies. Because if God's accepted you, how can someone else take away what they never gave you? My wife's mom at our wedding. She's at our church. I said, thanks for coming, mom. She says, I can't believe she's thrown her life away with you. I said, mom, thank you. Don't call me mom. Just get away from me. I'm like, all right, I love you. Don't tell me that you love me. Her stepdad, you're a loser and a liar and you don't fool me. You might fool other people, but you don't fool me. He cussed me out in church. Imagine that. Didn't even hurt. See, there's a difference between being hurt by somebody and hurting for somebody. See, God's not hurt by you. He hurts for us. That's different. Hurting for somebody is different than being hurt by somebody. People aren't your issue. You are. If we get free from us, we're free from others. What a great day that is. Imagine if people weren't your issue anymore. I love you. Well, I don't care. It's okay. Doesn't matter. Really? Like, I'm just not denying. I'm just not a... I'm not denying stuff. I live this way. I mean, I get cussed out constantly. I got that plane testimony I shared last night. It's not just on a plane. It's all the time. I had it right when I came here on the plane. When I, no, when I came back. One of these times I was just on a plane recently. <laughs> I shared about people that blame God and they're mad at God because they had the wrong vision, the wrong view of who God is. They blame God. They call him the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Or they say, well, God allowed. And all of a sudden, if God allowed it, then he could have stopped it. So he's still to blame. So you have people that are wrapped up in this. God did this and God did that. And we, we put the hand of the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy into a hand of a loving God that so loved the world he gave. And we compare ourselves with stories in the Bible like Job. 
and we get thrown for a loop and we, we just get this bad taste of who our Father is. It's no wonder we can't have peace because how can we have peace if we can't like trust in our Father because I will keep in perfect peace he who fixes his mind upon me because he trusts in me. That's Isaiah 26.3. That's the truth. If we can't trust God, you never have peace. So if you think that God did this and God did that and God did this and it's out of whack, you're blaming God for things that the devil did. Well, he allowed it. Even there, you're still indirectly, you're still blaming God. Oh, this will be a good subject. Let's pound this one here. Because that's like one of the hardest things for people to get because they, they blame God for lots of things since a long time ago. I was just on the plane with an airline attendant that freaked out on me because of this very thing. And I just taught it right before I got on the plane. I just run into it all the time. Majority. How many people have you ever met that are mad at God? Man, mad at God. Lots of people. They say, well, God did this and God did that. I remember the first time I read Job. I was like, this does not make sense at all to my head. Oh, my heart, because I knew him as a loving father. So I read that. And, and, and I read it after somebody taught about God allowed. God allowed. And it didn't make sense to me. Because I saw all this death, loss, and destruction in this message. And then I said, well, I'm going to read this. God, you've got to reveal this to me because I don't get this. And I need to understand. Help me understand this, God. Really. And rarely will someone go into the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to help them understand. They usually ride off of what they've been taught or what somebody's teaching or what the person that they're teaching them has been taught and the person that taught them has been passed down to the teacher, to the another teacher, to the another teacher, to the another teacher. Then you have cessationism. Or, it, or you just get mad at God. You believe that God's doing this and God's doing this. This is probably the hardest subject for pastors that, that I've talked about that for people to just to just accept because we we confuse God's sovereignty with God's being in control I'm not taking away from the sovereignty of God he's amazing and if God says it it is it is if if God says that this wood pulpit this brown reddish wood pulpit was white if he said it's white one of two things has to happen this wood color is the new white or it changes immediately. Immediately. Because when God speaks, it is. His word never returns void. Ever. So people say, well, you know, Satan came to get Job. Well, Satan didn't come to get Job until God pointed Job out. Have you considered Job? Oh, you know, God's like, from where do you come? To the devil. Do you think God didn't know where he was? Pretty sure he knew where he was. Pretty sure he was rubbing it in his face. Hey, from where do you come? <clears throat> oh, that's right. Well, go ahead and tell me. Oh, I love it. Because God created man in his image. He created us in his image. And he enjoys having the ones that are created in his image destroy hell. He loves it. He says that Job was blameless and upright. There wasn't one person on the planet that was like him. One that feared God and shunned evil. That's an awesome thing for God to say. He holds fast to his integrity. He, he fears God and he shuns evil. 
That's amazing. God wants us all to be in that place. Job was a picture of Jesus. I get it. I understand. But addressing this point right here. Just the very fact that God allowed. God being in control isn't in the Bible. God's sovereignty is. God is not in control of everything that happens in this world. If he is, better not pray. You might mess it up. <clears throat> All right. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I understand he's talking about teachers, but where do you think their teachings are inspired by? The devil. Yeah? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. If there's death, loss, and destruction, God didn't say it's okay. It came because of the fall of man. It happens. But it's not God's fault. And God didn't do it. I've talked to I've talked to so many people that are mad at God for all the things that have happened in their life. But it starts with one thing. And then one thing, everything is seen through the lens of God's in control. And so now everything gets thrown into that same lens. And it's not the single eye that Jesus says the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. There is mass confusion in that thing. Satan comes in like a snake in the grass, bites somebody, gets away unscathed, and God takes the rap. It's constant. You talk to your people at your church and find out. Ask them. How many people believe that God's in control? You watch and see how many people. First, settle it in your heart that he's not. That doesn't mean he's out of whack or out of balance or taking away from sovereignty. That just means because of the fall of man, Satan's on the earth. And he is still the God of this world. The prince and power of the air. He has been judged. But he wants people to enter into a place of condemnation so that they think like him. Confessing Jesus. Thinking like hell. Are you with me? Yes. Are you sure? So, he says, from where do you come? From walking to and fro on the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> There's none like him on the planet. You know what he says? I love this because it's the same thing Satan says now see because sometimes we go to God for gifts we go to God for things but we don't go to God for him we go to God for sermons we go to God for for people we go to God for finances but we don't go to God for him see God wants to, us to seek our father in secret he wants us to seek him why because you're on the earth to walk like Jesus and how could you walk like Jesus if you don't know the father you can't, but better be known by the Father. Come on, it all ties together. It's so beautiful. So he says, does Job fear you for nothing? The only reason he fears you is because you blessed him. <laughs> Selfish insinuation, still the same insinuation by the devil. The only reason they're after you, God, is because of what you'll give them. The only reason they seek you is because what you have, so what you give them. I touch them, I touch them, and their trials make them spin out of control, and they wonder where you are. All Satan's trying to get you to do is blame the Father, so that you can't trust the Father and you can have no peace. And all of a sudden, trials come, they don't produce perseverance, because the trials come and it makes you freak out, and it actually brings out all kinds of bad stuff in your life. Then you wonder where God is. Where are you, God? Why would you allow this to happen? And we blame it. Ah. Come on, man. I'm not just teaching this because I found it. I go through lots of stuff. We ought to make the devil wish that he never touched us. 
He ought to feel really bad after an encounter with you. Because every time he touches you, if you'd manifest the right God, if you'd manifest the right God, people around you would see what it's like for a Christian to be in the fire. And they would see you, that you endure the suffering for the sake of God's elect. God's elect would be on fire because they see somebody that managed well in the trial. Came out with a, sh with a crisper, sharper, more clarity of God's presence and awareness of His goodness and His love and His faithfulness. Rarely do people see Christians be thankful when they're going through trial. God, I thank you. I just worship you. You're not thanking God for the trial. You're just thanking Him that He's there with you. Come on, man. It's really the truth. God, I'm crying out my heart, but I, this is like something that is not a common denominator in the body of Christ. But it needs to be because Christian maturity cannot come except through trial, except through fire. Trial produces perseverance, perseverance produces hope, and hope produces, or character, and character produces hope. There's no way to hope except through fire. But you better know who's touching you and not think that God's allowing this for a purpose. So he says, does Job fear you for nothing? Take what he has away. He'll curse you. The only reason he loves you is because of what you give him. Come on, they're all like me, God. They're all selfish. They're all after their own self-seeking, selfish desires. That's it. They just want you for their money. They just want you for your gifts. They just want you for bigger congregations. They just want you for another revelation so they can look important in front of people. Oh, I promise, man. It's Satan. He's just, a, he's a jerk. God says, all that he has is in your hand. What does that mean? We, we say that it's God's permission slip to attack. Since when did the God of this world need permission to attack? Why would Satan need permission slip from God to attack you? He's a jerk. He's after everybody. Come on. People say, well, you know, you come to Christ. It's not like when you say yes to Jesus, Satan goes, darn it. Let's go find somebody else. Come on. No way. You say yes to God. He's like, oh, we'll see. Boom, boom, boom. It just comes. And if he can't get to you this way, he'll get to you that way. If he can't get to you this way, he comes this way. This way, this way, this way. You can't afford to say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? can't afford to get in there. You can't because your trust in God goes down and your faith in troubles go up. And all of a sudden you become punch drunk and you say things like this, man, this happens one more time. I don't know what I'll do. Oh, trust me, it's coming. You just told the devil, if you punch me one more time in this glass jaw of mine, I don't know what I'll do. Oh, boom. Come on, it's true. So he attacks. Boom. Satan did not need permission. He's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will be able to until Jesus returns. Jesus said, be of good cheer when you face tribulation, guys. Oh, awesome. When you face tribulation, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yet why are so many Christians being overcome by the world? And our cheer, our joy is supposed to come from our salvation. 
Because when you get squeezed, like I said last night, Jesus ought to come out everywhere. Satan ought to take a risk every time he squeezes you. Jesus all over him. It's the truth. So he comes, boom, boom. Let's just go there. I love it. I wasn't expecting to go here, but it's good to go here. Such freedom. Oh. Okay, I already read or already spoke. None like him, one that's blameless, upright. Blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Satan said, does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around everything on every side? Have you not blessed the work of his hands, his possessions, increased his land? Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. He'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only don't lay a hand on his person. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job saying, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. One. And while he was still speaking, another came in and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the serpents, the sheep and the servants, and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Two. Now, in that second attack, was it God's fire or was it the devil? Did God send the fire and kill him? This is confusion. Because this is the opinion of a Christian. Lots of people say lots of things, but if people don't know their God, it's an opinion. And a lot of people blame God for a lot of different things. And it started right here. I saw the fire of God fall. It wasn't God's fire at all. Okay. While they were still speaking, another came in and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and, yes, took them away and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Three. While he was speaking, another said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in your oldest brother's house. Suddenly a great wind came from the, across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people. And they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Four. So it's boom, 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 boom. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God and with wrong. This is like one of the most common scriptures that I've ever heard read at funerals. The Lord gave and the Lord take away. Watch. If you're a child, like this lady on the plane was, this, this, this airline attendant. So I was having an amazing conversation with the one airline attendant. And we were just talking about how good God is and how amazing. And she's a German woman that like goes to a spirit-filled church. She loves Jesus. And we're talking, and another one comes up. I talked to her a couple times about Jesus. She goes, I don't like the church. She started to like really get mad. And then in just a couple of minutes, because uh, I press people. So I don't like the church. Wow. 
I didn't used to either. Why don't you like the church? She said, ah, these buildings and all these different things. It's like some glamour show. It's this and that and the other thing. I said, I preach at those churches. Well, good for you. She had an attitude. You know why? She told me that when she was nine years old, her daddy died. He he just immigrated in and died soon after. And then a few years later, her mama shot herself in the head. If God loved me, then why would he allow those things to happen? You're going to find that most people that you talk to about Jesus are mad at God. Because they've been told that God's done this and God's done that. But the biggest statement that people, that Christians say, God is in control. Meaning that everything that happens is God, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I would just like to differentiate between stealing, killing, and destroying and life and life more abundantly. Because if we get this thing nailed down, you'll find that a lot of the things that you thought could have been God will be ironed out by Holy Spirit. Because God is good. He only has good things to give. He doesn't have bad things to give. Like Jesus came because we were lost and then he came so that we could be found. Jesus came because we were blind and so we could see. But if we don't see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, we will be swayed by wind of doctrine and will be hurt by things that God never did. We need to take that stuff off because we need to trust our Father. Because you'll never have peace unless you can trust your dad. So I'm sharing with this lady and she was taught this as a little girl. Now she's like 58 years old. So now she's got all this stuff in that same category because now she sees the lens through everything that happens is God. That means that every bad thing that happens is God's fault. If it was good, praise God, but it's mostly bad. Did you ever watch the news? Not very good. I'm in gyms working out. People are watching the news. Hey, do you mind if I, do you mind if I watch this? Say, no, dude, it's all bad, though. No, I want to see what's going on. You just want to see what's going on that's bad? I got good news, man. In the gyms, in the fitness centers. Good news. His name is Jesus. You can go ahead and keep that on. I got my earphones, and I'm going to listen to the Bible, man. It's good news. Have you ever heard it? I'm talking about Jesus and how amazing God is and how outrageous my king is. And he's watching ISIS videos on the news. God bless those guys. They just need Jesus, man. What? Straight. I'm done my workout. They leave. And I'm still in there. I don't even change the channel. Let's worship Jesus in my ears. Love God. I worship Jesus in the midst of a perverse and corrupt generation among whom I shine as a light. Nothing will influence or take this away from me. Ever. Because he is the one that gave it to me. He loves me. He's satisfied my soul. Jesus isn't just a crutch. He's the anchor of my soul. He's where my soul is steadfast. God so loved me that he gave his son. And if God loved me when I was an enemy, how much more would he freely give me? But I've never sought God to give me stuff. I've always sought it for him. I've never asked God for things. I've never asked Him for vats and barns and cars and whatever. I've just always asked Him for more of Him. Father, here I am. I'm just here to know You. I open my Bible. God, teach me who I am so I can represent You in this world. And I remember the day He took me in here. I said, oh my gosh, Lord, You didn't send the fire. That servant, He said You did, but it wasn't You at all. 
So when someone says God did this, all of a sudden they start to see things through that same lens. So now it's not just one thing, it's 20 things that God did, but really he didn't do. He's a loving father. He gave us Jesus. But we need something to satisfy our soul because our soul hasn't been positioned on communion with the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we read another book so we can learn a little bit more about God. And we avoid the book that's authored by the one that wrote it, who is the Word. So that God can make our flesh become the very word that we say we know. Everywhere we go, a living epistle known and read by men. So that everywhere we go, people can be convicted of his righteousness. Right standing with our king. That nobody can take away from this thing. So, it says in all these things, Job did not curse God. His kids die. Again, there was a day when the sons... God came to present themselves before God, for the Lord, and Satan came also to present them to him, to be present before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Now, do you think he knew where he came this time? He knew where he came. From where did you come this time? From walking to and fro on the earth. Satan answered, the Lord, from walking to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Man. I don't know a lot of Christians that want the Lord to point you out like that. It is an honor for me to represent Jesus and not be afraid of the devil. God is looking for people that would walk like his son. God is looking for people that wouldn't be rattled by circumstance but know their God and do great exploits. God is looking for people that would have their soul set on Jesus. God has put all things under our feet. Who is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. It says, and he put all things under his feet. And it says, but we haven't yet seen all things put under his feet, but we see Jesus. That, that means that the highest part of hell is beneath the lowest part of us. Because we are the body of Christ. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So Satan still comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you're supposed to know who's the one that's doing it. And you're not supposed to blame God for allowing it to happen. He's just a thief. You can't have authority over something that you think God might be allowing you to go through. You can't have faith to speak to the mountain move if you think God's the one that's testing you with the mountain. Come on, man. You can't have faith to pray for sickness to leave if you think God might be putting it there for a reason. Are you guys here? It, Satan is trying to rattle our faith as Christians to take us out of the reality of the defined will of God. And he's trying to make the will of God muddy and not clear. He's trying to make it muddy water instead of a crystal clear stream. A, a crystal clear stream. He's trying to make it dirty. He's trying to make it dirty water. Something that we can't see through. He's trying to put goggles and blind the eyes of those lest they inherit. Lest they see the light of this glorious gospel. Satan, the God of this world, blinds the eyes of those lest they should see the glorious gospel. And how they see is they see you manifest Jesus and know the truth of who God really is so that they can see a life that's not rattled by stuff, that's not moved by junk, that knows who their God is.
I've gone into so many situations with people that are hurting and sick. And the family just believed that God's done this. And they're, they're about to be mad at God. And that girl lost her dad. And then all of a sudden her mom killed herself. Why would God allow that if he loved me so much? Come on, answer that. I'm like, thank you for letting me answer that. And I shared my heart. She got overwhelmed. She didn't know what to say. She got so overwhelmed. She, <clears throat> I have to take care of some things. She went up front. So I followed her. <laughs> I don't back off, man. Ever. People's souls are at stake. I can't afford to have people dying while they live. We are supposed to be life. We are supposed to be an air freshener. We are supposed to change an atmosphere. I am not supposed, I am supposed to have a kingdom culture inside of me. That no matter where I go, that culture is dominant. That no matter where I'm at, no matter if the people are talkative or not, Jesus lives in me. He loves to talk. He is the Word of God. It's entirely impossible for God to be quiet. He is the Word. And God speaks, but in these last days, God spoke through His Son. Jesus is heaven's final answer. What are we going to do with His final answer? Are we going to walk and be an imitator of God? Are we going to be manipulated by lies? Listen to the devil. It says, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity. Listen to this. Although you incited me against him without cause. To destroy him without cause. He said, although you made it look like I was the one that pulled the carpet out from under him. Although you made it look like it was me. He still won't curse me. Satan can't stand it. Oh, he's so mad. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Here's a key phrase. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his own life. What does that mean? Man does not love their life, God, unto death. Man is just bringing you in for what they can get from you. Man is just bringing you in for your gifts. Man is just bringing you in for their blessings. They don't really love you. Just touch him. Skin for skin. Exclamation point. Because he knows that the key to this gospel is the word of your testimony, the blood of the lamb, and you love not your own life unto death. That's the key to the gospel. Unless a man, if a, if a man desires to save his own life, he will lose it. But if he loses for my sake, he will find it. What is the key to Christianity? Dying, not denying. Denying like one thing each day, making your flesh submit one day at a time. Man, why don't you just get it over with? See, this is what happened to me. When I came into the gospel, I pushed all my chips to the center of the table and I just said, I'm in. And all God's looking from you is to be fully surrendered and submitted to what His truth says, to a relationship with Holy Spirit. He's not asking you for much. As a matter of fact, all He's asking you for is everything you're created to be. He's asking you for all of you, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Why would He say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, which is your only, only reasonable and pleasing service before the Father. 
That's all he's asking you for is everything you are from your head to the toe, period. That's it. He's not asking anything less. He didn't ask you for 20, 20% out and 80% in. He didn't ask you to work on it. I ask people, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm working on it. Nope, you're being worked on by the wrong God. I understand that Christ works in me to will and to do according to his purpose. I get it. It's true. Sometimes people, most times people, haven't fully surrendered. They've brought Jesus in for what they can get from him instead of completely surrendering to him. And you will not make it the other way. You are a target for the devil. He will pound you until your belief system in God is 50-50 and you're straddling a fence that belongs to the devil. You know, it doesn't say my people, are, my people perish for a lack of an open heaven. It doesn't say that. It says my people perish for lack of knowledge. And having received the knowledge, they reject it. What if we've rejected the simplicity of the gospel? The hardest statement that I get as a Christian, as a believer, is, man, you're the real deal. It's the hardest, it's the hardest one. Because if you're not the real deal, you're a fake deal. It's the hardest one. Man, you're, you know, you're the real deal, man. It's the hardest one. I know what they're saying. But we're all supposed to be the real deal. All I've done is given everything and said, you know what, God, I'm in. And no matter what I think, apart from what you say, It says that my father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. And any, any branch that doesn't bear fruit, he prunes and clips. And any, any branch that does bear fruit, he trims. That means that no matter what, you're going to get clipped and trimmed. You don't want a branch that has no fruit on it. I've, I've always been in this relationship with God. I came out of Teen Challenge. And I, you know, Dan, he's guy that I met in church that day that was so full of joy. His eyes were so connected to Jesus, man. I was overwhelmed and blown away. And I, a couple weeks in, there was all this talk about spiritual fathers. and I'm like, man, you're my spiritual father, dude. He's like, I know what you're saying, Todd. You have to understand something. I'm like, what? I'm excited, man. You're my spiritual dad. I'm like, your spiritual son. This is awesome. He goes, Todd, you can glean from me and you can learn from me. The reason why you're saying that is because there's a big move and talk about spiritual fathers all over the place. And the Bible says you have many fathers, or many teachers, but few fathers. And he said, if you come to me and I'm your spiritual father, there'll be a time when you might call me and I'm not there to answer. And on the other end of the line will be you with no answer. And you will think as an orphan. He said, I cannot be your spiritual father, but you can glean from me. I can, I can teach you. You can learn from me. But you have to establish what it says in Matthew. Call no one on earth your father, for you have one father. I'm like, all right, man. Well, then you're my mentor. <laughs> you have no idea how many emails I get. God told me you're supposed to be my mentor. All the time. I said that to Dan. Because that's the next best thing. Spiritual father mentor. 
I said, dude, you're my mentor. That's it. He goes, Todd, I know what you're saying. It sounds right. I go, it's not right, is it? He said to me, there's a lot of talk about mentors. He said, honestly, Todd, he said, if the Holy Spirit doesn't become your mentor and you don't have a relationship with him, you can't abide in Jesus. So God needs to be your father and the Holy Spirit will be your mentor. I can be here to teach you and I will help you in any way I can. But you need to establish relationship with God as your father. And you need to have a mentor. His name is Holy Spirit. He's the teacher. He'll teach you all things that are true. And you'll never be deceived. Todd, if I'm your mentor, you can learn from me. And you can listen to what I teach and everything. But then you'll hear someone else teach. And you'll think that what I teach is true. And then what they teach is true. And then the other person, what they teach is true. And people have all kinds of teachers. People have itching ears. You need to have a teacher. You have one teacher, the Lord in Christ. You need no one to teach you. Yet we need teachers in the body of Christ. Yet we need fathers. But any spiritual father that doesn't push you to God as your heavenly father, you're in trouble. And any mentor that doesn't push you into Holy Spirit being your mentor could be pushing you into a place of codependency upon them, which is sin. Because if I need you to keep me accountable, I'm in trouble. It doesn't work that way. We have all kinds of talk about accountability. If the Holy Spirit isn't my mentor, and He's not my accountability partner, there'll be a time when I'm in front of something, a TV something, to where no one's there to call the shots. I remember talking to a minister and I said, man, I, he said, well, who travels with you? I said, man, I, I actually travel, I travel alone. Well, how can you? What do you mean? Well, who, who's in the hotel with you? <clears throat> Jesus <clears throat> no 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 <clears throat> even Billy Graham and these guys they even established this and that I'm like why well, I, I haven't learned Jesus that way I'm not against you bringing someone with you I just at this stage in my life I don't have that <clears throat> well who's like what about the TV I don't watch it I don't why would I I don't need it I'm in love with Jesus why would I sow stuff in here that he paid a price to crush now that he set me free? Why would I put music in here that doesn't have to do with edifying and glorifying my king just so I can sit there and listen to trash? Why would I listen to something that's destructive? <clears throat> I choose to feed. People say, well, you can watch that because you chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Why would I want to eat bones? <laughs> I just have a different way of looking at things. I came into this thing and I realized that my life is short. It's a whim and a vapor. I'm here today and gone tomorrow. I'm here to leave a legacy of what it looks like for a man to be in love with Jesus. Every day of my life, I don't sit in front and watch a bunch of junk. I, I don't have time for it. People say, well, don't you watch sports? When I go to the Hammer's house, I do. <laughs> Seahawks. But I'm not like, I believe Christianity is a full contact sport, dude. So, get in the game. You're always on offense and we win. <clears throat> right after this, Satan says skin for skin. 
Job gets hit with these boils and all kinds of stuff. His wife, his wife says, curse God and die. Job did. And you know the rest of the story. It went the whole way through. But when you look at it in the light of the opinions of Christians and what they presume could be God is God, you will see a bunch of friends that are accusing Job of something that Job never did. And you have the opinions of people. I hear it all the time. Oh, come on. There has to be sin in your life. There has to be something. Come on. What if it's just the devil? No, no, no. What kind of door did you open? Let's stop telling people they opened a door. Well, you had to open a door. What kind of door did you open to let this in? Stop it. The devil's a jerk. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There doesn't have to be a reason except he's trying to, to crush people's opinion of who God is. And he's trying to get Christians to have their own opinion of who God is apart from the truth that sets people free. He's trying to get people to presume about God. I hear it everywhere I go. See, I talk to people everywhere. Everywhere. So I talked to that lady. She guys really appreciate you talking to me about this. And I was on another plane to Argentina. I was leaving from Houston, Texas. I get on the plane and I'm like, this is a deep subject. This whole sovereign will of God to allow the devil to kill us. The fall of man happened. We're going to go through trials. They're going to happen. There are. God, when I go through something, I, this is what I picture. I picture my father sitting on the throne. Really. Because that's what the Bible says he is. When I go through something, this is honestly what I picture. I've pictured it since like I, I was first born. I still, I'm only 10 years old. I still got spiritual huggies on. Okay? I'm still like a kid with my dad. I picture him when something comes across my plate. Something bad. Something he knows that I know what the will of God is and what it's not. He knows that I won't blame him. But I picture my father leaning forward saying, what are you going to do? And then I hear this, boy. <laughs> I love it, man. So good. You have no idea, no idea how many Christians I've seen come to Jesus. How many people come to Jesus because of living this life. Living a life. Knowing what God's will is. So much. I, I, we've had devils manifest everywhere. In church. Everywhere. It just happens. Because people are so caught up in blaming God for stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting on the plane to go to Argentina. I'm talking to the people. I'm like, hey man. God loves you so much. The people beside me, hey you, Jesus is Lord. He loves you so much. He lives in me, man. Is there anything I can pray? I've got to get the four people around me. But they're airline attendants and stuff. So I'm talking about God and how amazing Jesus is. So I'm on my plane for hours and hours and hours. Finally, we're about an hour till we land. And we're coming down. We're about an hour. I could, I, you know when you feel the plane just go like that a little bit? Time to take care of what you got to take care of. So I get up and there was this one lady in the front that I never got to talk to. She's an airline attendant. So I went up there. She's the one cooking the food. She worked hard. She did, I mean, she did an amazing job cooking for all the people. And I'm like, hey, we're about 45 minutes out probably. I said, hey, I just got to talk to you. I got to tell you that Jesus loves you. So don't you preach to me as loud as you can't even, it, 
on airplanes, everybody hears. You know, and we're at five in the morning. So everybody's just waking up. That's not nice to wake up to. Don't you preach to me. I said, honey, I wasn't. Oh, yes, you were. Just shut up. Airline attendant. That's not very nice. So a lot of times, Christians, they, they tried. <laughs> they walk away. Oh, I'm going to make her mad again. That's crazy. Well, my heart burns for her to not go to hell. Uh, she has to know who my father is. So I said to her, okay, sorry about that. She goes, you, you should be. Go preach to someone else. She turns around, the head airline attendant that I've been talking to about Jesus, like a bunch of times, he said, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm sorry, I apologize. No, it's okay, man. It's all right. I went in the bathroom, washed my hands. I'm in there. The Lord speaks to me. He says, confront her right now. This is not going to be pretty. <laughs> Specific, confront her now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have any leading. Like, what are you going to say? How are you going to do this? What's going to happen? All I hear is confront her now. So I'm like, I don't have anything. I know this, to get in front. Did you see the sign? 15 minutes airport. I have to get on a plane. But I want to pray. And I got a testimony to share. So maybe they'll hold the plane for me today. Because I have to fly. You messed up my testimony, John. I'm just kidding. You can't. It's alive. It never goes away. Okay, so check this out. I come out of the bathroom. I come over. This lady's in the front. The airline attendants see me coming out of the bathroom. They're all five up front now. They see me walking towards her. They're like, seriously. It's like getting ready for a storm. Getting things. I said to her, I said, ma'am, what now? I didn't know what to say. So I said, you yelled at the wrong man today, ma'am. Oh, really? And she started to like, hammer me. And God showed me a picture of her losing her father to cancer when she was a little girl. And she blamed God from a little girl. And now she's about 45 years old. And from a little girl to 45, she's packaged everything inside of her heart, blaming the father for something he never did to start with. Because the pastor at her funeral told her, the Lord gave and the Lord took away your dad. So in her mind, God took away my father. So God's a thief. Oh, you have no idea how many people I talk to that believe this. I said, God did not take away your father. She looks at me. And I said, he did not take away. She goes, <gasps> her eyes roll up in her head. She started to growl. The airline attendant, everybody is freaking out. I said, come here. She goes, I need you right now. I need you. And she fell into me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this thing to leave you now. She <laughs> the airline attendants go, sir, we're really sorry. I said, no, this, this has nothing to do with anybody's apology. It's okay. I'm the best person this could happen to today. So we moved around the galley and I moved around the outside and I prayed for this lady against the wall. In Jesus' name. She gets born again. 
Now watch. For all those years, in just one encounter, boom, the Holy Spirit sucker punched the devil and every bit of the lies that were in her. Every bit right there on the plane. Thank you. Thank you, sir. What's your name? It doesn't matter. God loves you so much. Jesus is Lord. I know. I know. I don't know what to say. Now this happened. This is like a long deal. So the, the head airline attendant comes over. Now keep in mind, the plane is full of people. So everybody is like, even people that don't believe in Jesus are praying. Because there's a terrorist on the plane. That's what I am, see? I'm a terrorist to the devil. I'm a Christian terrorist. I terrorize the devil every day of my life. I make him wish that he never touched me, ever. And that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to be Christian terrorists that terrorize the devil's plans every day. That know their God. That do great exploits because they know their king. Because they know that God's not a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They know that Jesus is Lord. And he only came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came and he poured out the precious promise of the Holy Spirit. So that we can flow like rivers of living water. And we can everywhere we go. And we can thump hell for a living instead of be dominated by it. And we can stop thinking as a man that's been crushed by the devil. Come on, man. It's time we step on Satan's neck and believe it. So the man goes, he goes, sir, you need to sit down. I go, I'm almost finished. He goes, no, right now, sir. I go, yes, sir, I'm sorry. He goes, look out the window. We're about to land. We're about a minute from the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to my seat. I didn't realize it. If I would have, I wouldn't have done it. That's one of those times when that's pushing it right there. But God was doing something amazingly beautiful in that woman. So I go to my seat quick and I buckle up. People are like, they don't want to see me. They went off the plane immediately. So we get off the plane. I tell them, God loves you guys so much. Bless you. Bless you. Do you ever like when the plane stops, everybody gets up? Start talking about Jesus. Everybody's quiet. Hey, guys, I hope you have an amazing day. Jesus loves you all. Man, thanks for riding today. Remember that he's Lord. You guys are amazing. He wants to live in all of you. True. True story. Get out the guitar. Start worshiping Jesus. Do it on the tram buses. You know, when we're going to your gate, break out the guitar. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. 6.30 in the morning. People get off the bus. 007 Christians. Just give you a little thumbs up. True, true story. So I got off the plane and these people wouldn't come off. I couldn't, like the airline attendants, they didn't come. I wanted to talk to them and thank them, hug them and all that. So I couldn't, so I, my ride was there in Argentina. I have 36 hours to do a whole bunch of stuff. It took me 24 hours to get there. It's going to take me 27 to get back and 36 hours there. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Every second on every plane, everywhere you go, no matter what. So I'm like, God, I really want to see these people here. 
So I was praying, God, line it up, where I'd see these people somewhere in Argentina, but it never happened. I was like, man, all right, Lord, I just ask you to bless them. I get on the plane, and when I walk on, I have the same flight crew <laughs> on my way back. 27 more hours. <laughs> well, at least the first 10 and a half with them. I get on the plane, she's just seen that. Sir, welcome back. <laughs> awesome. Have an amazing time again. Just share with them. As soon as we get off the ground, we get up in the air. I'll share with you the power of this thing. How are we doing? Pretty tight right now. Right at the edge right now. Pushing the limits right here. So I, the head flight attendant comes up and he says, Mr. White, I need to talk to you. I said, awesome, man. Sure. He goes, no, no, no I need to apologize. <clears throat> I said, for what? I said, dude, that thing that happened the other day, it wasn't, it's nobody's fault. He goes, no, 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 it's, it's, it's more than that. I'll be back and I'll, I'll talk to you in a couple minutes. So he comes back and he tells me, he goes, listen. He said, I'm a Christian. He said, there's two things that I don't talk about on planes. One of them's my, my faith and one of them's politics. I said, well, I understand politics. I don't talk about that stuff either. I said, but, but when it comes to Jesus, people are going to hell, man. What do you care more about? Getting into confrontation? Or watching somebody be in a goat line and you being in a sheep line? You knew that all these people were on your plane. One day you stand before the Father and you see all these people that are people that you could have made an impact on because of one rightly spoken word with grace upon it. Let your words be seasoned with salt that it may impart grace to the people that hear you. And all you need is one word. And all it could be is, hey, Jesus loves you. Bless you. Or walking by somebody, bless you, man. Bless you. They get it. Bless you. Bless. Bless. What? Bless. What do you mean by bless me? And it opens it up. He goes, no. He goes, listen. I need to apologize to you because I know that what you did and how you live is Jesus. And this is how all of us are called to live. And your life is a conviction to me. I got off this plane. I called my wife right away and said, Honey, you're not going to believe what just happened on the plane. He said, and I stand here saying, I'm sorry. You convicted my life. Things are going to change in the way that I approach Christianity. But because of your example, my life is forever changed. And I said, man, I love you. He goes, I love you too. He gives me a big hug. We talked about Jesus a bunch on that flight. How powerful is that? Jesus doesn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil does. The devil does. If you found yourself blaming God, for stuff that is death, loss, and destruction. I want you to stand up right now. So I'll pray for you. <clears throat>